Looking like an angel with no halo When I'm with her, tell me where the pain go Think I might be falling out of control What the fuck do I know? With anything, man. If if you just that that's the thing is that's that's actually I read a quote this morning before I came here. It was like, uh, "I will, it's I will win, maybe not immediately, but definitely." Mm-hmm. So as long as you just keep doing something, eventually you're gonna win. It's yeah. gonna happen, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, I mean, but you see it. That's that's why I don't understand. Like, especially if it's something that is somebody's like somebody's dream to. Mm-hmm. To you know, like just to use pull examples from our world, like if it's somebody's dream to have a jujitsu academy, or somebody's dream to like do podcasting full time, how can you abandon it so quick? Right. You know what I mean? It's been, like right. I get like sometimes like you feel like like I thought I thought my viewers were already going down after the fight the fight companion, but because it's like the that episode did the worst. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because it was I posted it 2 days after the fight results came out. Yeah. So everybody already knew the results and then it had 900 views on Facebook. Yeah. So everybody already right. saw it, so right. why would they listen to it? Right, exactly. And so but like I just don't but like I mean we see it though with with like the gym, like the way the gym's going right now. Like it started in the garage. Yeah. It's just been it's insane. Sticking around for growth, a year now. The growth is insane, man. Like, I, I, it's it's more than I ever thought would, especially in this short of a time period. Yeah. There's definitely a hunger for the jujitsu out here. Yeah. Especially in Orange. I think just Orange is, there's nothing to, I think it's something that like can catch on or caught on the way it did because there's no, there's, it's, for one, it's not really, it's not in Orange and there's nothing to do right. around here. Right. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. For as far as, I mean, <clears throat> self defense goes. I mean, I pretty much not, no disrespect to them because I mean they've been doing a great job. But Tiger Rocks had this had a monopoly on the place. You know what I mean? That, that's yeah. the, that's been like the only thing in Orange for a long time. And you know now we're finally you know giving people a little bit of options. You know because yeah. I mean I can't, I come from a Taekwondo background. I have no I have no hate hate towards them at all. You know, but. It's 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 nice to have options. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because I mean, some people you want to do both. You know, yeah, it's, you never know. There's still, I mean, we still get. I still hear from people all the time, like people I work with. Are you still doing that wrestling? Yeah. I'm like, well, it's not. Yep. Yes, I'm doing wrestling. I'm just like, whatever. What, the worst one I get is like, get man, it. you do that karate stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like man, yeah. It's, I get that too. I'm like, not no, even close, but yeah, not I guess. It. That's cool. <laughs> sure, sure, buddy. It's crazy. It's like still have people still don't even know. Really, what it is? Yeah, man, it, it's that's that's a crazy thing about it too, is because as big as it is for us, like you know, this this is the majority of my life outside mm-hmm. of my regular job. This is my entire life, and uh, it's to me, it's huge. There's no other, you know, it's it's taken over my life. But other people, they don't know anything about it. They've never watched one single UFC fight, you know, yeah. or anything like that. So they don't, they have no idea what a jujitsu is. They think you're casting a spell on them or something like that, you know? Yeah. And like, even just even MMA, which is more mainstream than G cause MMA is now more mainstream. Cause it's like, now it's gone on ESPN and all right. that stuff. And <clears throat> so more people are hearing about that. So, but then like you dial down like the disciplines that they're using, like jujitsu or Muay Thai or whatever it may be. And so, like, it's like my dad will try talking to me about MMA, and he's like, I just don't like that, all that ground stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, if you just knew what you were looking mm-hmm. at, if you just knew what you were looking at, it'd be so much more interesting. Right. It's so much different when you experience it, man, because that, that's that's kind of how I was at first, is I was, a, I was a striker. 
and <laughs> you know, but I I can have the same story as a whole lot of people, man. That one of my one of my coaches just just talked me into it, try, trying it one day. He's like, just just do it, man, because if you want to fight, you have to know a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So then I was like, I've wrestled with my cousins and all that, and my brothers and all that growing up. You know, I could I could do this. I mean, I'm pretty good at this, you know. And then I just get smashed by a guy who was like. 40 pounds lighter than me. Yeah. And I was just, I, I, I was hooked ever since. It, it, it's one of those things that it, <clears throat> when you do it, <clears throat> when you do jujitsu, it makes you, like, because you always think, like, fighting is one of the ultimate things where, like, you always think, like, oh, if I was, if it was me, I would have done this. Right. And then when you get in that situation, you're like, oh, no. I, Thank you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done any of that. I think it was Joe Rogan. I was, I was on one of his podcasts. He was talking about the average man is a thousand thinks they're a thousand percent more effective in a fight than they actually are. Yeah, for like sure. it's so much different when you get punched in the mouth. I mean, all that plan goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what my. I finally got my dad to go to try it one day, and because uh, he we made a deal, I had to try disc golf. He mm-hmm. had to try jujitsu. Okay, and because uh, he man, we were at my. <laughs> he took me out to eat for my birthday, and he was saying he was like. He's like, man, I'm telling you, he said, when we go out there, he said, I, he said, it's not like jujitsu. He said, there's a lot of technique into it. And I was just thinking, like, you have no oh clue what you're talking about <laughs> right now. He says, there's a lot of technique, just the, the way you, like, turn your hand when you throw and all this stuff. And I That's was like, insane. I was like, dad, you don't even know what you just said. And then he was like, he, it, he even, he even said, he goes, he said, look, when we go out, he said, when we go out to throw this, he said, I know what's going to happen. He said, I already know I'm going to dominate you. He said, mm-hmm. you're going to be just competing with yourself. He said, because I already know what's going to happen. And he said, at least whenever I get in, he said, at least when I come to the gym, he said, I can put my hands on you as well. And I, at least I have a chance. And I was like, you don't, you don't. even with a little <laughs> bit of training I had, yep. you don't have a chance. Nope. And whenever he came, he's, he, he came and we started standing. I just kind of pulled guard. He got, got in my guard and I just locked my legs around him. And then when he realized, like, he couldn't go anywhere until I was ready for him to go somewhere, he was like, oh, shit. Yeah. He, he stopped. He stood up. He goes, okay, hold on. That pissed me off. Yeah. He said, that just pissed me off because he said, I couldn't do what I thought I could. I was like, no. Yep. It's so different. That's what I was tra- that's you're, so used to, you're so used to wrestling with people growing up, you know, just roughhousing and having fun. But no one knows what they're doing. And then you meet someone who actually does, and you're like, this is so different. Yeah. Yeah. And then... It, you know, when you go into like the levels of it, which is why Gordon is so fucking impressive is because to somebody like me, you know, I, I look at like Ruben and, or, or even you, Ruben or, you know, other Tyler Scalisi. Right. I go through and I'm like, holy shit, man. Like they just, whenever they feel like it, they just got me. Right. But then there's like a new person that comes to the gym and it's like, whenever I want, I got them. Exactly. And then you have people who as good as, like, as good as Tyler Scalisi is and as good as Ruben is. If they're rolled with somebody like Gordon, it's like whenever he feels like it, yeah, he's got you. Exactly. It's and that, that, that's what's crazy is this the fact that, like I say, and cut we were talking about earlier, is he has not been training very long in the grand scheme of things. He got really good really fast. Really fast. And same thing with Nikki, his brother. They I mean he Nikki Ryan just got his black belt as well, and he he's an animal and they've they've just become so dominating so fast no one can touch them and it's it's really crazy to think that not only him but their whole team is that way yeah like that's the crazy thing it's not just one or two their entire team is that way him 
Those, them two, Craig Jones, Nick Rodriguez, like they're all insane. But it's this what this what I asked Ruben. I guess I didn't ask it in the right way, but I was like curious. I was like, so what is it about somebody like that? Like so, because really jujitsu. I was thinking about this this morning. Was jujitsu is one of those things that being athletic helps you, but one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest, like, one of the best skills you can have is being a creative thinker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Being able to think creatively and like look look for stuff that's, or look for like a little opening where you be like, oh, I could probably, you know, I could probably pull this off from from this position and just come up with stuff. So that's why I was asking, I asked Ruben, I was like, what is the difference between somebody like Gordon and somebody who, because, so like Gordon, he started after a lot of people and now is, you know, pound for pound number one in the world. I think it's the coaching, really. It comes down down to it because they, their coach, uh, I know they all have several coaches like uh, Craig Jones is under Lackland Giles and, uh. Uh, Gary Tonin is under Tom DeBlass, and you know they all have several coaches. And uh, Gordon Ryan is actually Gary Tonin's student, mm-hmm. but they all train with John Donaher, and he is just the evil genius Lex Luthor of the jujitsu game, man. Because every single one he person he personally coaches is a champion. Yeah, dude, that's what we'll just we'll go ahead and get into this shit, dude. How fucking funny is this picture? Dude, him so, and his rash guard, man. <laughs> he dude, cracks me up. This video where Gordon and Andre are like arguing. Yeah. He, John cracks me up in this. He's standing there with the white dad new balances, mm-hmm. a fanny pack, this dad bod, and he's just, you could tell like the way he's just standing, one of his legs barely works now. Yeah. He, just the way he's standing, he's like, if you want to do this, we can do this. Dude, he's so funny, man. Like he's, he's, he's this, <laughs> this old man is just ready to whoop someone's ass. And that's the thing is, if you listen to Gordon talk in different interviews and things like that about rolling with Donna, he, he says he still dominates him. Donna, John, did, yeah, he beats he him. Say, he says if I like if if me and John flow roll, you know, I mean, they obviously don't go hundred percent because John has you know a bad hip and right. legs messed up, but. Yeah, Gordon said that uh, John manhandles him. There's nothing he can do. <coughs> that's what, see. That's what I'm saying. Like, because that's what is so confusing about jujitsu. Because it's not this. It's not like you know other sports. It's it's like that guy that has the fanny pack and the new balances and everything would beat probably both these guys. Probably yes. He's the he's the beat he's both the, these guys that are one's 25. I forgot how old Andre is. And both of them are jacked and just like yeah. shredded and you know some of the best in the world, right? And this old turtle would just be exactly both of them. Yeah, man, it just it, doesn't it, make sense. It's wild, you know, because you know we spend a lot of time trying to talk about um, getting our students to abandon the strength and and the uh, the you know just trying to muscle everything. Mm-hmm. Because it will end up hurting you in your progress in the long run as you go through blue belt, purple belt. You know, it'll hurt your progress because you won't rely on your technique as much. You'll rely on your strength. Mm-hmm. But once you get your technique down, then you want to start lifting weights and getting really strong again because then you make your technique super strong. Right. You know what I mean? 
but it's not required. So you, you got yeah. these guys who are like the first jujitsu class I ever went to. I, there was that that hundred and sixty pound guy that you know that I was rolling with. He was a uh, computer programmer, real skinny guy, like no muscle mass on him. He you know he wore glasses, played chess a lot. He was a real mm-hmm. big chess player, man. And I think that's why he was so good is because he's such a really critical competitive thinker. He's, mm-hmm. His brain's always going. But you don't need it. But at the high levels like that, it definitely helps. For sure. Like, and that's like, I don't, have you seen the guy that, like the head instruct, jiu-jitsu instructor at uh, 10th Planet in Beaumont? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if, if you listen to him and look at him, you think this guy's a dork. Exactly. This guy's a dork. Yeah. But that dork will kill you. Exactly. He will rip it's your so legs off. Crazy. This shit was so interesting though. What's the what's the beef between Andre and, and Gordon? So uh where that what's where that start at? So I don't it, understand. It it came from ADCC. So uh Gordon Ryan, he he has a really big social media presence. Mm-hmm. And he, he likes to call people out on Instagram and he likes to talk a bunch of shit and you know and he, he's always been super big into that. And uh, it works for him. It really does. And he so he was calling out various opponents, and he started talking about Andre. And Andre just would not give him the time of day at all. So he was, wouldn't respond, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't agree to a match, nothing like that. So, of course, that makes Gordon go at him harder. So he just starts going at him harder and harder. And finally... Andre starts messing with him back. He's like, "Yeah, I'll grapple. I'll, I'll roll with you. We'll have a match for if you give me a million dollars." I saw that. You know, just talking all kind of talking all kind of crap to him. And they're arguing back and forth on Instagram now, and uh, fi- and then Gordon's finally like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna make I'm, I'm gonna make this happen." You know, and then he goes and uh, wins the his weight division and the absolute for ADCC, and also Andre. <laughs> Retains the Supervite champion by beating Felipe Pena. Mm-hmm. So now the next match is them two. Has to be. It's set, you know, it's that's how it goes. But Andre's talking about retire. He's retired and all this kind of stuff like that. So it's just been a lot of tensions building with back and forth between them. But I, honestly, I think it's a publicity thing. I think they're doing this to build the match up because they finally came to an agreement. That, see the thing that makes me think that let's let's actually watch it real quick this, I've watched it like five or six times this morning but the thing that makes me believe that is the way cause like there's I mean there's still fighters at the end of the, like now they're not MMA fighters but they're fighters at the end of the day like they know their shit well Gordon's been getting ready for an MMA fight for a he while he has he has but this what makes me think that is when you watch this and they're sitting there backstage or some arguing Andre kind of shoves him and Gordon slaps the piss out of him. Yep. And then you could see Andre's kind of like scared. Like he's now reaching, he's scared. Yeah. He's reaching for his hand like to stop it. And then he comes over here and it sounds like he slapped him again. Yeah. And and nothing nothing comes of it. Dude, I was this is what I was telling Manessa because I was kind of showing her what I was looking at. I was telling her I was like, just as like a man, if somebody slaps you like that, right? It like. Tell you right now, if Gordon slaps me, I'd be getting my leg broken. Yeah, because, for sure. But you, <laughs> yeah. but you're gonna you're yeah. gonna fight though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It doesn't matter who's like as a man. It doesn't matter who. If somebody comes up and slaps you in the face like that, 
Even if you know they're about to whoop my ass, you have you have to do something. You have to. You got to do something. And he just this guy who's also you know very skilled, like is backing away and is scared of him. So I, it could be it could be publicity. I just don't understand that. Like they went off camera. And he's like, "Yo, man, you hit me a little too hard there." Like, Yo, man, I'm fucking <laughs> hurt. Bro. You need to dial it down. <laughs> Man, fuck that hurt. But I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. But I think I think they finally have come to an agreement, and they're like, okay, we're actually going to do this, but we're going to build. His, we're so going to build next, this up. His next fight's announced, or Gordon's next match is announced too, though. Against man, I don't. I don't Wagner know. Roca. I, that, I, I think it's going to be really cool to watch. I like. Uh, I like. I'm a big fan of Gordon Ryan, of course, but I really like Wagner Roca's style. Mm-hmm. I like how he rolls. I like him. how he competes. He's he, he's there to compete. Mm-hmm. Like he he doesn't play this all this nice guy stuff. He's he's there to compete. If he has to smother you, he'll smother you. He'll cover your mouth and you know, pinch your nose off, and he's he's there to yeah. win. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Gordon's got to do something about his voice, though. <laughs> he's got to do something <laughs> that about his high voice. voice. Yeah, he's so like like he. I mean, he looks pretty intimidating. He's jacked, tatted right. up. One of the, you know the best jujitsu competitor in the world. And then when he goes to talk, you're like, is, it's like fuck. Is, you suck on a bunch of balloons. It's before? like Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, like Mike, Mike Tyson, dude. Like that Mike Tyson. dude is like, just even just looking at Mike Tyson. He's probably one of the most intimidating people just to look at. And then he talks, and he's got the high pitched voice and the lisp, and you're like, oh wow, okay. Speaking of intimidating, but he could kill me. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Gabby it's, Garcia. Yeah, I don't know about that. Is a scary woman. Just the fact that she has been so dominating. Yeah. Well, she. I'm not trying to be rude, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, she's she's a big woman. You know, yeah, she's she's like 240. She'd be pounds. A, she'd be a big man. Yeah, she's took 240 pounds. She's six two two forty. Yeah, but with abs. She, but she is a legit black belt. Like yeah. she is good, like very good, and she's one of the nicest people ever. She's super nice. Hmm. I don't know. I saw. I just saw videos of her beating the shit out of like old grandmas in Japan. Oh yeah, Did you see that? Yeah. Japan loves those freak shows. Well, that's the only place she could get a fight. She tried. She tried to follow an MMA career for a while, and yeah. uh, but she couldn't get a fight anywhere because there's no one in her weight class. Like you don't see very see too many 240 pound women fighters. You know, never, never. It's so crazy, man. You don't so see crazy. a whole lot of 240 pound men fighters either. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. You got those big heavyweights in the UFC. Yeah, there's not very many of them. But not many, especially not like high level. It's like there's such a big gap between the top, the top heavyweights, and then the like the so the lightweight division in the UFC mm-hmm. is like pretty stacked. Like it seems like any of those guys could beat any of the other ones on you know on their best night or whatever. Within like the top fifteen, any of the top fifteen guys, like any of them could win the, beat the other ones. Right. But then you go to heavyweight right. and you look at it and you're like, the first top like six, you know, and then after that you're like, I don't know yep, what this, I don't know what this is. Well, now not anymore, but it was Stipe, but or no, it was uh DC, but you got Stipe and Ganu, Overeem's good contender, Blaze Lewis, of course, Lewis a spectacular win. Recently, yeah, he knocked out a. But outside of them, it's really quiet. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? what I'm saying. It's, it's, but that just goes to show you like the skill gap between, like these with the big guys. It goes to show you the skill gap though, because oh fucking Glover's the uh, is number one at light heavyweight. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So you got so number champ right now is Stipe. Him and Francis are fighting next weekend. 
God, so excited. You got, I know. You got Derek and Curtis Blades. And really, realistically, so John Jones should be probably, f- like, if since he hasn't fought yet, you, sh- you could probably put him four and take away Jorginho. Like, if you're just going to throw him in the rankings, go ahead and throw him at four. I would put him right under Overeem and have that be his first fight. That's what I would do. Right under Overeem? Right under Overeem. Like, he would, be, seven? he would be number seven, and he would fight Alistair Overeem. And then he would move up and fight Rosenstrike, depending on the depending on Rosenstrike's next fight. Uh, then maybe Blades or Lewis, and then I'd have him fight in Ghana. Ah man, I just don't, I just don't see him. I mean, I still, th- I think he's. I'm not you saying know, that's what they're going to do. That's probably very far from what they're going to do. They probably won't rank him until after his fight or until right before it. Either that or, or, or he probably throw won't. him in there and fight for the title his first fight. He probably will. They do that a lot. They'll probably they'll probably let him fight whoever wins out of Stipe and Francis. <clears throat> that's what I'm but, saying. You get to a champion and you're, you, get to the, you get a belt in your weight class and all of a sudden you just hop the line in every other weight class you go to. Yeah. But, I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's with his – Record, he's he's kind of earned it, I guess. I agree. But I he, can agree with that. But if you, but this, but to go back to our original point, if you look at the heavyweight rankings, so Champ is Stipe, number one is Francis, then you have Derek Lewis, everybody knows him, Curtis Blades, who literally is just cannot stop getting knocked out by the by the best of the best, though. Yeah, he, Francis, he gets knocked out by like top three guys. By Francis and by the two guys ahead of him, yeah. knock him out. That's it. Jorginho, who has just went on a run this past year and got people's got a lot of attention. Alexander Volkov, he's one that kind of real MMA fans know about him. Right, yeah. Because he just came from another organization mm-hmm. a few years ago. Overeem, legend. And then, so, after you go, like I said, so after six, Overeem, only real fans know who Cyril Gaon is. Yeah. I watched him twice. After that, Shamil something... Abdurakhimov. Yeah, Abdurakhimov or whatever. He, nobody knows. I don't know who he is. Augusto Saki. Another one of uh, Khabib's guys. That that Russian guy? Yeah. Shamil? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, for like, for the casual UFC fan. No one's going to know any of these guys. Nobody knows anyone from seven down. Yeah. The The only reason I know number 10 it's because he just fought the other night, and I watched him. Oh, people know 12, JDS. JDS, yeah, you know, legend, whatever. But that I just goes to show you fighting, the... Man, I really do. What is it? I wish JDS would quit fighting. Yeah, he's done. He he he, he was he had such a distinguished <clears throat> record, and I just hate to see what happened to Randy Couture happen to him. You know, because Randy Couture, Hall of Famer. You know, yeah. he had a great record, and then he would not stay out of retirement, and he kept losing over and over and over. Now he has just the worst. Worked. The worst one's BJ Penn, right? Yes, the worst one's BJ Penn. And now they, that Randy Couture has just about as many losses as he does wins. Yeah, well, that's uh, because I looked up. I remember looking up BJ Penn a few years ago because you know he's everyone, any UFC fan regards him as one of like the pioneers, one of the legends right. of the sport. But then if you go look at his record. He's sixteen and fourteen. Yeah, exactly. So you would not you looking at that, you're like, he's almost lost as much as he's won. Mm-hmm. Literally but, two fights. He's but the, won. Yeah. two fights. But look if you look, yeah, like you're saying, you look at his loss. So his last man. win though was in two thousand ten. Then he goes draw, loss, 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 loss. 
I can't believe he lost to Clay, Clay Guida. Is that? Oh yeah, but and that but, when was that? Uh, Twenty two years ago. Yeah, he he's he he says he's retired now. But his, one thing he said it was, uh, he said fighting is the only thing that keeps him out of trouble. Yeah, have you seen the videos yeah, of him yeah. like he like street fight people outside bars and he's stuff? He's fighting people outside strip clubs. And- yeah, <laughs> he got knocked out by some guy by some random guy in Hawaii. Yeah, because he he was like hit me, hit me, and he was like okay, yeah, just knocked him out. A lot of people don't realize that Hawaiians can fight, man. Oh, they like, love it. They, they can love fight, fighting. bro. I'm like, I don't know what it's what it is over there, but th- those Hawaiians are tough people, man. Like they'll hit, they hit hard. Like everyone, even ones that don't train, they hit hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. They got something in the water or something like. Maybe it's something about their diet. Yeah. Spam, spam, and pineapples makes yeah. you strong as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dude, they. Uh, I was watching. Me and Ruben were talking about this yesterday. Have you watched? Uh, have you watched Street Beefs? I don't think so. You never seen Street Beefs? Uh. Uh-uh. So basically, it's like a organ. It's a fight organization that. Um, the I heard somebody one of the one of the guys that fights in it. He said. He said that it started as like a way to promote like a safer way to like instead of gun violence, you just go settle your beef like in this little organization i did this in school like i I built i built a 20 foot by 20 foot cage in my backyard and and i was was like look instead of getting in fights at school and getting suspended and all kind of stuff like that just come to my house after school put the gloves on get in the cage and settle it you know and yeah we 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 did that for a long time well now it's like a big now there's like a big organization though so this is uh let me pause this one real quick so basically now it's a big organization that like travels around mm-hmm. and it's I don't think so much it's anymore like to like stop gun violence but apparently that's how this one started. Yeah. Was instead of people like go killing killing somebody over talking to somebody's girl over cuz they owe them 100 bucks they just go like beat the shit out of each other and be cool with it at the end. Oh yeah, I and like so, that. And so but now they have like a full like YouTube channel, Twitter, like a big following now. Mm-hmm. Me and Ruben were talking yesterday like saying that we want to do this cuz a lot of guys, like it's like a big organization now. Like yeah. they don't have big shows and stuff like that. But if you look, like there's like a production behind it now. Like it's fucking insane. This watch this one guy that gets into it though. His name's uh this guy, this Shinigami right here. Look at this Master Ken looking dude. Dude, war is full. War is full. Gi. Oh my god. Says shout out to my girl Rachel. Let's do this. Why would you wear a gi when your opponent is not wearing a gi? Well. I think he has his shorts on backwards. I know. Yeah, he's got the logo on the front. I don't know if it goes there. But this is so. I've been watching a lot of these. These guys really don't know what they're doing. This one, now this one kind of looks like he knows what he's doing a little bit because he just cracks that dude. God almighty, that was a head kick. I was not expecting that from Big Boy. That was awesome. Shinigami, yeah. Boom. But if you watch these fights, though, it's so funny because, like, this one's a bad example because it was so quick. Right. But if you if you watch some of the other ones, it's just so bad, man. This was this was so this was their title fight. This was their title match. Oh, they have titles. They have titles what? in this organization. Yeah. So Shinigami wearing his gi again, and he wore his he wore his belt and everything, which is fucking impressive. For one, that's gonna restrict your breathing. That's a terrible idea. 
in a fight like this. Yeah, well, Hoist did it, I guess. Yeah, he does a long shout-out. I guess so, yeah, but... I, thought, I just think it's really crazy that he's wearing a gi when no one else is wearing a gi. Can you go to the ground or is, is it just kickboxing? No, it's it's an MMA fight. Oh, dude, I would pop his head right off with that lapel. Dude, wouldn't this be <laughs> so fun? We should, we need to get a few guys from the gym that want to do this. Find out when they're having an event like close. Because you could just you literally just message them and be like, I want to compete. They're like, all right, how much do you weigh? I would like to do this. But like, So this is their title match. Tell me this is not insane to you, like somebody who... Look at this guy. This is crazy. I mean, the guy... I, Shinigami, uh, I think, is what you called him? Yeah. He, 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 he seems like he's got a, a karate base. Like, he, he yeah, has a little he, bit of a karate base. Yeah, he does. He, but that's, this other he's guy... Doing, but he's doing karate for 13 years. That doesn't okay. look like somebody who's doing it for 13 no. years. That's what that's what got me, like, looking at it. No, like, no, Weak no, old no. trip, tried to trip the wrong leg. But this guy in the, in the white shirt... Is looks lost. Yeah, for one, he has a like a white cut off sleeve shirt and some random basketball shorts. And he goes before the before this fight, he goes shout out to my dad, my dad, best fighter, best fighter I know. I was like, well, what? Watch his dad. Like, who's watch, your, yeah? Who's your dad? Dad be like Frank Shamrock or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was just like shout out to my dad, best fighter I know. His and then him like being a, built like this and him fighting like that, his dad's clearly not, a, you know, a real fighter. But I don't know about you. That was that bad. was pretty. That, that was pretty bad. decent, actually. That wasn't. But the rest of this, I was watching this and I was like, I feel like I would double leg the crab on this. One. Yeah, <laughs> I feel. I feel like we could, like, me, you, and Ruben could go to one of these events, and like, you just. Like all three of us would come home with the title. Yeah, there's of our weight division. They're not. There's no regard for their legs at all. Like you could just wrap those things up and, and drag the way, them to the ground. And any to me, anytime you see somebody throw throw if if throw a punch with the back of their hand, because when you're yeah. if you're hitting somebody with the back of your hand and you're not spinning, it makes no sense to hit with the back of your hand. And when they, it's it's like a panic thing. Like they do yep. this and then. They, they, they just it swing back. it backwards to get to get away. Yeah, there's only two excuses to hit with the back of your hand. Either Dude, you're spinning or you're a pimp. Dude, how insane is this? Like, this is their title fight. It goes for it goes for a long time. We won't watch the whole thing. But this is crazy, I man. Love, I love this though. This is crazy. Do they have like? Do they have like medical staff on site? Of course not, dude. This is nuts. There's dirt on the ground. There's there's not even a canvas. It's, it's they're just, literally fighting in a dirt pit with fence around, and the fence isn't dip, like plastic no. dipped or anything. So it's just like a chain link fence. It's dirt with, in a dog kennel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a dog kennel. <laughs> it's a big dog kennel with pallets up against the side. This dude just randomly. He just tried to the, hit him with the door. This dude opened the cage door. God, this brings back memories though, because this is like exactly what we used to do in high school. For real, like identical. Yeah, that that's where uh, me and Ruben first started hanging out a little bit in in high school was uh-huh. because uh, we were getting ready for fights coming up, and me and him would he would come over, and me and him and our but our mutual friend John, we would all train and stuff like that and get yeah. ready for him. Yeah, I don't know. I d- Oh man, he lost his, head, his, knocked headband. his headband off. God, lost his headband. His che- his his All chakra's his... gone. And then ref tried to throw it out, and it did not work very well. Is that a mask? There's a mask on the ground. <laughs> it's a COVID, a COVID mask a, on the ground. Yeah, there's a mask on the ground. There's also some rubber tube right there. 
Dude, I love this. This is wonderful. All we need is like loud country music. Oh, nice little trip. People revving their engines up. So he also says he's a this Shinigami guy. He he ends up winning, but he says he's also a, a two stripe blue belt in jujitsu. Well, that was a pretty decent hip throw, and he's, the trip wasn't bad. No, nah. but if you watch, if we watch the whole thing, you'd be like, "All right, dude, you got." There's difference, and I know he doesn't have a whole lot of ground and pound, and looks like he's picking on his sister. Yeah, that's the really cool. Wildest thing, street. These, I don't. So who? Oh, I have seen some of these clips. Okay, I didn't know that's what it was, but yeah, that's a girl and a guy fighting right there. So that's cool. You can just go up there and beat your baby mama up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you fight I, to see who gets to be the uh, custodial parent. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I got some baby mama calling you out on 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 the uh, street beefs YouTube that might, page. That you come m- fight me. You're three months behind on child support. <laughs> Like, all right, if you win, you don't have to pay. I'm going to beat the child support out of you. But I'm not trying to be rude, but that might be a guy. No, it's no, it's no way. She looks like Madonna. Look, well, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, dude, isn't this fucking crazy? Yeah, but that looks that crazy. looks like a really good kick. Yeah, that dude might know what he's doing. So does that one. <laughs> yeah, those, look, those two look like really good kicks. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Anyway, I, I think people might have fight to say, this one's fucking hilarious too. This guy doesn't have a mouthpiece. Calls for his mouthpiece mid-fight, and they say they don't. They say you can't do that in the middle of a fight. Ask for because he didn't start with his fight with one. Oh, that was and so stupid. he's like, he's like, no, I'm, I don't want one. And then he starts getting hit in the mouth, and he goes like, mouthpiece, mouthpiece. Oh yeah, he did start with one. Never mind, I'm wrong. But yeah, this is their octo, their octagon, their ring is hay bales. That's so incredible. We got to find this and get get involved. Is it wearing a kilt? Uh, a yeah. fight kilt? Yeah. I think so. I like how everyone's a Viking now. Yeah, everybody wants to be. Everybody's a Viking now. I like how Shinigami also wears two knee braces. But when you're fucking... Oh, my God. When you're 290, I guess you kind of need knee braces. What are you doing? There's a guy holding up one of the hay bales. This is fucking great. We got to get involved. We got to we gotta find out where we can do this and then just go win every title available that day. We need to figure this out. <laughs> it's, it's like a tournament style, huh? Yeah, so this is... So he... At the beginning of this, if I, if we had the volume on, the the guy that like introduces the video, he's like, Shinigami, he's 1-0 today. And this guy, he's 0-1 today. And so oh. it's like a tournament like that day. Okay. So I don't know if like if you when you win the title if you actually get a trophy or a belt or anything. But this is kind of wild. Look at the hay all in his hair. Yeah, he has, at this point his coach is yelling to him to keep his eyes closed cuz he's about to get hay in his eyes. That's a ho- that's horrible advice. Keep your eyes closed. He said close your eyes. Close oh, your okay. eyes. Cuz yeah. he don't want to get hay in his eyes. Yeah, yeah I'm more worried about the freaking <laughs> fist in his eye. This choke. Look at it. Look at it. He didn't even. He, didn't he even can't finish. even lock the choke up. Uh. Uh-uh. They called it because he didn't. Def- he wasn't defending himself. That was probably a good call because he's. He, he also might, didn't he have, have some brain damage. But dude, this fucking. He's hard. underneath. I just underneath him, getting the back of his head smashed in and mouthpiece. 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 <laughs> dude, it's so fucking good. God Almighty. It's fucking great. Bored people will never cease to amaze me. Yeah. <laughs> 
man. That, but just watching those, man. I was I was watching me and Ruben were talking yesterday. Like some of the, I mean, you you saw it. There's just the lack of technique. But they got all the gear. That's what's right. best. They have all the gear, but they have like you know rash guards, real fight shorts, and everything. They just left all the technique. All the guys, that's the thing, is all the guys who really don't know what they're doing are going to have the best gear. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, like, like Affliction shirts. Like, yeah, I, like I wear Affliction and American Fighter and, you know, all this kind of stuff like that, but I can't do an arm bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you, if it gets you in the gym, go for it, man. Buy all the stuff and be like, okay, I don't want to look like a like a dumbass walking around wearing all this stuff. I need to get in there and train. Absolutely. I'm not opposed to that route. Oh, no, for sure. No, definitely not. I just think it's funny. All these guys that get that. Cause you, like I said, you have to reach out to them, to that little organization to like be able to go compete. And it's like, you see the type of people who are reaching out, right? These guys are definitely are just, just got done beating UFC three. They just won the title on, on the UFC game. And they're like, I got to do this for real now. Most of them. And we, uh, the last episode I had with um, with Marvin and Tremaine, mm-hmm. it was so funny that <laughs> I guess they forgot like it was still recording. I went to go get ice. I was trying to, because they were asking about the gym and I was like telling them about the gym, kind of what we do or whatever. And then I was like, yeah, I'll pull up some videos. So I pulled up a video back when we were in the garage and uh, I was like, let me go get some ice or whatever. I cut, the, I cut it out of the episode so you, people don't hear it, but so I left to go get ice mm-hmm. and then they're watching it and they go, both of them go, I'm not about all this rolling around shit. <laughs> like, I just want to throw, I just want to throw hands and stuff. Yep. And, and then one of them, I forgot who it was. One of them was like, yeah. Cause man, when are you going to really find yourself in a position like that? Like in a real fight? Oh, if and, you fight me every time. Was, yeah. And then it was like, I came in, I came in and they were like, yeah, man, uh, they started talking about it again. And so I didn't hear it until I was editing the episode. I heard them sitting there being like, mm-hmm. This is whack, basically. Oh, like, oh man! If you it's only so knew, not. Man. It's so fun, though. If you only knew. Yeah, and also them saying that they're like, "When are you going to end up in a position like that?" I'm like, I feel like most of the time. If you fight me every single time, but even if you just get in a random street fight, eventually somebody's going to grab onto somebody and fall down. Well, yeah, it's some it's some odd number. Like I think it was like some like sixty or seventy percent of fights go to the ground. Yeah, like it's a lot. It's a stats and a stat. Most of them I've seen have went to the ground. So. But that's the reaction a lot of people give about fighting. You know, it's like, oh, I love I love fighting, but I don't like all that ground stuff, which is crazy because you would think that Muay Thai and K1 and Glory and all these kickboxing organizations would be huge here yeah. because of that, but they're not. No one watches them. Yeah. And like, dude, that, that's the, literally what you want. It's all the striking, none of the ground. Why? Yeah. Like, just watch this and what no one does. Yeah. That's what it's almost impossible to find, like kickboxing around here, like good kickboxing. Like I here. love, I love kickboxing. I love it. I got love obsessed, Muay Thai. I got obsessed with like, it because of him. Yeah, uh, I watch. I'm a big Nikki Holskin fan. And uh, back when, well, he was. I'm still a fan, but I was a big fan of him when he was fighting in Glory. Now he's back to. Now he's in One FC. Mm. And dude, I'm a big fan of his. Him and Cosmo Alexander and oh yeah, all those really good Dutch Dutch kickboxers. I love it. Yeah. Did you uh speaking of Cosmo, his his latest victim, you see Sage is fighting again? Yeah, I saw he's fighting again, man, and uh I really hope they do him better this time. <laughs> I really do because they just that him, was not his fault. They just give him this like 
vet, one of the like yeah. amazing strikers. His fight with Cosmo was not his fault. Everyone who's everyone who watched that fight and was like, oh my God, I can't believe Sage just fell apart. He didn't. He was trying really hard. Cosmo so, is just the third best kickboxer in the entire world. Yeah. It's insane, man. It's so I can't crazy. believe they gave him that fight for his debut. That's insane. Yeah. See, but people like Sage, people like Sage is the one who, like, a casual fan will lose their money on mm-hmm. because you look at him and he looks like he like he's fucking shredded, right? And he like and he moves like the way he moves, like you're like, oh, this dude knows his shit, mm-hmm. and he does, you know. But I mean, if you watched his UFC career, and then, well, I'm not gonna count his one FC fight because that that wasn't even fair, but yeah, uh, but like if you watch his UFC career, like he knows what he's doing, but it's just. He's just, he doesn't have the connection. time. Yeah. He doesn't have the time in. He's yet. also super young. He just needs to put the work. He just needs to work a little more. He, he needs to have time to grow. Yeah. That's what happened. That's why I think he failed in the UFC was because they threw him in there. They threw him to the wolves like fast. And yeah. I'm like, dude, this kid's young. He needs to grow. He needs to come up through, you know, the undercards. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's crazy that they're doing this to him. And I think they failed him in that, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, that, but that's what the, that's kind of the UFC's like blueprint, though. They kind of do that with yes. guys who, like, they did that to anyone who looks good, speaks well, and and can you know, and obviously they can fight. You know, they wouldn't be getting they, they wouldn't be getting the recognition that they have. They couldn't fight at all. But like, they did that same thing like to Paige Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. Paige Van Zandt, everybody like people people started thinking she was like up for like title contention and stuff just because she was getting so much yeah so much publicity. No. She was just good looking. So I got huge love for Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm, especially, especially Holly Holm. I, I watched Holly Holm when she was kickboxing as well, and uh, I got big love for Holly Holm because she was like, "Hey, he, she's the one that came in when women's MMA first started, and they had all these real pretty girls in there fighting each other." And she was like, "Hey, nah, I actually know how to fight. You got, yeah. to do, you're gonna have to do better than that." Yeah. And then she kicked Ronda Rousey in her head and knocked her out. Yeah, and then everybody was Holly <laughs> Holm fans. Yep. And, yeah. the, yep. and that's what I was saying. Like, Amanda Nunez is the same way. He's like, nah, being pretty is not enough. I'm going to knock your head off. Amanda Nunez is crazy. She's so it. fucking good, man. I love it. My favorite fight with hers was whenever she fought Holly Holm. Because that's that fight is a perfect example of the of like the little like intricate details of fighting that gets me obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So, like... She kept noticing like how Hollywood picked that foot up, yeah. and when she picks her her lead foot up, she can't push backwards because her yes. foot's off the ground. Mm-hmm. And so Amanda was like, "Okay, well, whenever she gets her foot up, and she if I'm within kicking range, then she can't escape me because her legs exactly. off the ground." And then she threw a head kick Slide and knocked her out. Knock her ass out. It's like those little details that like the the mental side of the game of fighting is so fucking interesting. Exactly, and that's why John. That's why I believe that. You know, kind of make a full circle back around. That's why I believe Donahue's guys are so good, is because he's such an intelligent guy. He's a philosophy professor and all this kind of stuff like that. He's an intelligent guy, and he can sit here and dissect these fights and these matches, and kind of give you those little things that are going to make a huge difference. Do you like, think he? Do you think they work it? Do you think they probably work at all on teaching people how to view situations? You know what I mean? Like, because that's something, like, obviously you get some of it with experience. Like, once you've been in a position before, you kind of know, you know, okay, I don't need to, if I put too much of my weight leaning this way, I can get mm-hmm. swept and all this stuff. Right. So, like, you get st- like you get some of that with experience, but do you think, like, he 
that's part of what he teaches is he's like he teaches how to think in certain situations. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. He, and I know that one big thing that because you know stuff like that, learning things like that's really important to being a coach. Yeah. And uh, he said that there's got to be something different he teaches, which, he which said, is why I'm. Saying that. Yeah, he said that uh, the, his number one focus for every one of his students is to make them a spectacular coach. Mm, That's yeah. what he wants to do. He wants them to be the best coach on the planet. And so I think that makes a huge difference because I know me, like just speaking from personal experience, my jujitsu has changed completely since I started teaching. Mm-hmm. Like I have a completely different game than when before we first started opening the gym, right? So I think that coming with that mindset that, hey, you're going to be the best instructor in the world really makes them think about things differently. You know, about things like that, about certain, like, positional advantages and weight distribution and things like that. It makes you think about those things differently. Yeah, because, I mean, not that, like, not that I I don't coach at all, but whenever there's somebody new, when there's somebody new, like, even yesterday with, uh, I think his name was Jordan. Yeah. Even yesterday, just... No, like feeling it, like feeling whatever I was letting him drill something, like and I could feel the way he grabbed my wrist, and I was like, "Oh, change! You need to change your grip." Mm-hmm. Like it's just, so, I, I, I get that. I I'm get sure. being able to coach people and how it helps you. Uh, really, for me at least, it whenever I help somebody new, mm-hmm. it just helps you. Like it just re-solidifies in your brain, like it's true. the exact technique and way to way to do it and why you do it that yeah. way when you teach it you when you teach the move you learn the move twice yeah because you learned it the first time and now you have to relearn it in your head so you can teach it to someone else yeah and it makes you think about all the little things that you may look over when you're drilling it but they need to know so you have to you have to focus on those little things that you might try to skip over when we when we drill something in class one thing i've noticed i do a lot is whenever i'm with somebody if it's something new that i haven't learned yet either i'll do it first I'll, I'll even if even if they try to do the technique first, I'll end up saying, "Hold on, l- let me do it real quick." And so I'll do it. So because once I feel it and feel how it works, I, I guess maybe I have an, just enough experience now to where once I feel it and feel how it's supposed to go, mm-hmm. then when I can, whenever it's their turn to go, I can be like, "Oh no, you got to do it like this because of right, you know, you know right. X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be." But, yeah, it's it's just about feel. You could feel these things like you know when. When you're going for a any a, pretty much any particular sweep, especially a butterfly sweep, and you can feel whether you have it or not. Yeah. Like once you once you go to extend that butterfly hook, and they don't move, you're like, okay, I need to make an adjustment. And then you make your adjustment, and then try again, and then all of a sudden they feel weightless, and you know you're about to topple them over. Mm-hmm. That's just one of those things you learn to feel for. That's what's so fun is when you start f- feeling stuff like that, or you can start just feeling people leaning like. Just leaning too far, and you're like, "Oh, you're about to get screwed, buddy." Yep. Like, if like if you like some of the newer people, you know, you like you'll do something as simple as just like grab grab their wrists, and and you know, once you have somebody's wrist and they can't post with it, you're like, "All right, so there would be a sweep that direction if this and this were to happen." Then you just feel them leaning. You're mm-hmm. like, "Here you go, buddy." Exactly. Whoop. That's it's so all fun. about the micro adjustments. Yeah. So for the, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're a follower of the Reddit BJ the BJJ subreddit on. Uh-uh. Oh my god, dude! There's this white belt got on there and uh, started talking about, hey, I I uh, I tapped a purple belt. I got my two stripe white belt. I tapped a purple belt. He tried to stop me, but I kept making micro adjustments, and it was just inevitable. And I choked him. And dude, people just ripped him apart. 
Really? There was like 25,000 memes on that on that one post that they were talking about. It was like the chance that he's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not possible that the purple belt was letting you work. Yeah. It's definitely not possible. Yeah. <laughs> it was, they just ripped this guy apart. That's what, uh, yeah. There's anyone who's actually trained knows, like, there's, he, it's a, you can't even get into that. Because that's like, that's like me whenever I, I bring something to Ruben, I'm like, oh, look, I've been doing this and it's been working a lot. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'll work up until probably like Blue Belt and then that won't work anymore. And I was like, oh, yep. why not? And then he'll just show me and I'm like, oh. Yep. It's yeah, all about just, having a game that's ever evolving because the moment you stop evolving, then you're going to, you're going to get passed up bad. Yeah. Bad. And that's why I was saying, I think it's, I think it's, to me, one of the most important things you can have if you're going to do jujitsu is a creative mind for sure and be able to come up with stuff because mm-hmm. i mean even yesterday i did that choke that i've never done before mm-hmm. i just i just happened to have my hand in that spot and i was like i wonder if i could just nope and then it worked well yeah like half the stuff i do i found on accident yeah a lot of stuff i do i, find, like, I just i you just recognize it in the moment but that goes into like y'all said before like once you learn the once you learn like how something works like whether you know key lock, whatever it may be. Once you learn like how these things work and like the details of it, then you can start finding it all over the mm-hmm. place. Exactly, and th- and that's like the same thing with the sweeps. Like I, there's a half guard sweep that I do, and uh, from from bottom half guard, and I don't know how I found. It. I just kind of did it one day, and I have no idea where it came from. But then it kind of made me focus on the mechanics of it. So I'm like, okay, I'm in half guard. I have a leg isolated. I need one more one more appendage isolated so I can take them in a direction. So this is what I – because I started focusing on – when I had my half guard, I would cross – I would uh, kind of dissect their body. I would have, for example, the right leg isolated and the left arm isolated. That's mm-hmm. how I would do half guard because I would try to control their positioning. But it really made me switch. So I was like, okay. So I, I switched to same side. There's almost always a sweep there, depending on you know where their weight's distributed and all that kind of stuff like that. But it's just things like that. Those little adjustments change your whole game completely. Because I don't, I've, I've, I haven't, I haven't done half guard the same ever since. Really? Mm-hmm. Just from that? It just completely changed <laughs> my half guard game. <clears throat> How long? So where did you start training at? Uh, I started training in. Uh, well, I went to TPC when, for a while here, so I started training originally in 2011. I trained uh, at uh, uh, TKA in Beaumont, just doing. That's uh, when I first started. First, my first experience with jujitsu. I did, you know, taekwondo and all that before that, but jujitsu was there, and I uh, went to TPC for a little bit after that, and then when I went to the military. Uh, I went to a couple schools out there. It wasn't really anything serious. I first started getting serious when I got out and got back. You here. went to schools like was it part of the military? No, or no just no, while no. you were out like no. California. Where, yeah, yeah, it was just. Is that where I, you were at? I would just drop into schools and do like day fees and oh, know, okay. things like that. You know, when whenever whenever I could, and uh, but when I got out of the military and moved to Baytown, I started training with Elite MMA over there with uh, Rob Yamashita and Julian Vega and dude, they were they're, they're animals over there, man. And uh, that's when I really started taking it seriously because I saw the potential. I saw mm-hmm. I saw champions in the room. You know, I you know Trevin Giles trains there. Oh, okay. and yeah, you no, know, but we they actually have people who are elite competitors, and I actually saw what it was. I was okay. You can actually do this. You can do something with this. You know. Yeah. 
So that's when I started taking it seriously. I, f- I feel like that's one thing that people got to, I, f- I feel like that's one thing that once you get into jujitsu and you learn, like, because t- to me at least, and I might be wrong, but to me at least, box, like everything is like a skill that you'll, you can obviously improve at, but to get like really good at like kickboxing and boxing, I feel like you have to have like, some of it has to just be natural to you mm-hmm. a little bit. But jujitsu, to an extent, is like something like that with the right practice and just really just that's one of the things that like just doing because you, like you said you don't use strength right you use technique so and the technique is what you learn so the more you just do it you can get up to like like a pretty elite level absolutely and th- and then that's the thing about jujitsu is there's nothing natural about it yeah like nothing you do in jujitsu is ever natural no one that's why no one's ever good at it at first yeah. Now, if you do other unnatural activities, that could help you. Like, for example, uh, Boogeyman and Gio Martinez, mm-hmm. they were both break dancers before they started doing jiu-jitsu, and mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They got their black belt in like three years mm-hmm. because their body control was just amazing. They go, yeah. Someone would go for a double leg, they could just get on one hand, do a flip, and <laughs> all kind of crazy that goes, stuff. That goes to being like athletic. Being yeah. athletic helps with... Helps with uh, Takedowns or takedown defense a lot too. I don't know how much it helps. Uh, I feel like it kind of helps because I'm, I'd say I'm pretty athletic, but it helps me at least with uh, like sometimes like getting swept, mm-hmm. just like being just like, like that quick, like quick, quick, quick titch muscle, quick twitch muscles. Like, yeah, how we can put your foot out fast enough mm-hmm. to stop it. So, like, being athletic helps too. It extent. definitely does help a lot. And like I said, it, it helps a lot. But it can hurt you if you focus on it at, oh, yeah. at the low levels. But yeah. once you get to like black belt and you're competing and you know you're competing with guys who have been black belts for thirty years and that kind of stuff yeah. like that, definitely start using it. It doesn't yeah. <laughs> definitely start you. There's there's a reason that all the elite black belts are jacked. Yeah, there's a reason for that. You know, like Andre is giant. Gordon, he's giant. Yeah. Craig Jones has put on like forty pounds since he got to. Since he got to like the high level, his build, his build is like he's so long, he's right. He's like perfect for jujitsu. Exactly, and like I said, everybody has just gotten completely massive. Even Nikki Nikki Ryan used to be like he's real on, skinny yeah. kid, man. He's Jack now. Yeah, and the only one is just Lackland because he just heel hooks everybody. He doesn't need it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> he's a crazy dude, man. I haven't seen him. Let me look that dude. So Lackland guy, he's uh he is Craig Jones's coach. He owns. I think he owns Absolute MMA. And, oh, there you go. Um, I think. I Mel- guess my phone was listening to me. I think Melbourne. I think is where his gym is. And. Uh, but Gio Martinez, he's a good example though, because he's. I I think most people consider him like, you know, like an elite level. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Gio is he a is, monster. Yeah, and he is he's tiny. He's a little dude. Well, he works at Tenth Planet System. Yeah. Tenth exactly. Planet System is like. I don't know. It's like it's like it's like for the little by the little man for the little man. Is that him on the left there? So yes, that's him on the left. Funny thing about this right here, right? So that kinetic one, it's a um, it's a quintet style tournament. Uh huh. So there's five five teams in which Lackland Giles, Nick Nick Rodriguez, Gordon Ryan, Craig. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, so this was the team? <clears throat> yes, this was their team. Okay. That's there, not, there's that's there's no up. chance for anybody, but no. there was five people. So there was the first two come out. One person gets submitted. 
they go out and the next person come out, the winner stays in until they lose. Yeah, yeah. Lacan Giles beat four of them in a row. And he was he, the first guy. He beat he he hooked four of them and then he lost and uh I think Craig Jones was beat the last one. They only used two guys. <laughs> the other guys didn't even do anything. They just That's sat on the side. That, that team is is a team of animals, right? It's horrifying. It's not. That's not even fair. It's not at all. We need to try to do. That'd be fun to have a little quintet. Uh, Olympics does them all the time. Little quintet, mm-hmm. like at the gym. Yeah, mm-hmm. like quintet tournaments. They do it all the time. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. To try to do that. But yeah, like I was, and his wife. I can't remember his, his wife's name now. So. But she's a freaking animal too. She's a uh, high level black belt. Livia. Livia. Yeah, Livia. She's she's a freaking animal, man. She's high level black belt too, and she's you know winning ADCC trials and all the highest level stuff. Damn, that's crazy, man. That's that's jujitsu is one of those things that once you get into it and you learn about it, it kind of makes you. Not like even though you know you can handle yourself, mm-hmm. it makes you not want to mess. Really, any type of training makes you mm-hmm. not want to mess with anybody, just because you just don't know. It makes you real peaceful, real quick. Yeah, because you, know you, I mean? you start realizing like, oh, I don't know who I'm coming up to. Like if so, if you know somebody pisses you off on the interstate and they say pull over, like you don't know who that is. Exactly. That, per- that person might be Lachlan exactly. Giles, who looks like you know. So I think I think it's not that bad here in Texas because. You know, like in Texas, you pull up, tell someone, someone tells you to pull over, they might have a gun. So, that's true. You know yeah, what that's mean? true too. We're, we're usually not too bad about that to start with, but I mean, yeah. definitely traveling to other places that don't have as many guns in the car, it kind of makes you think, like, what does this guy know? Like, yeah, why he is he, so, why is he so confident? Yeah, he might yeah. know something crazy. But what's wild is how confident people are who have never trained in their life about fighting. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you have fought. A combined maybe three hours of your life. Yeah, I fight three hours a day. Yeah, like, like why are you so co- why are you so much more confident than me? Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, but like, but like I said, or like you were saying, Joe Rogan thinks or guys, people think that they're a thousand percent more effective than they actually are. Yep, that's. I think that's true. I think it's a hundred percent true. I'm like, dude, because that that's scary. That's I don't. Like, I haven't been in a fight in a long time like like a unsanctioned bar fight in a long time because yeah. I'm like dude this guy might be a wrestler and pick me up and dump me on my head and, and then kill I'm, me and here. then I'm drooling for the rest of my life you know what I mean <laughs> like, that's nah. that's what's so scary I, about it is there's the consequences of what could happen in like a street fight like you know of course you don't think about it when you're younger but like once you start like training and seeing like what you know, when you get your head slammed on like at the gym, and then you're like, "Oh fuck, that could happen to me mm-hmm. on the on, concrete." On like a yeah, on the concrete somewhere, that's fucking dangerous. Yeah, but that's your life. You're playing yeah. with your life, man. Because fuck yeah, because also, if say it goes good for you and you knock somebody out, then that's another thing you gotta think about. Is like, you might go for one, you might have just killed them, and then also you probably you're probably gonna go to jail anyway. That happened not too long ago. Somebody got killed when I was in living in uh, Dayton. I was living in Dayton, Texas, <clears> and. Uh, I think it was in Crosby or Liberty. These two guys were at a uh, a crawfish place. It was like a crawfish shack. They uh they just you know like pretty much like a hut that serves crawfish. They have tables yeah. that set up and uh these two guys have been drinking, got into an argument, and uh the younger guy punched the older guy, killed him, dead. Just knocked him just out. Knocked him out. Knocked him out. Never woke up. Now the, now the guy's in prison. That's just insane, because he got into it's... a fight. You know what I mean. 
It's so not worth it. But that, but I mean, that goes. That's why, and I brought this up to a coworker of mine. That's why I feel like jujitsu is one of the most, like, probably the best thing you could learn for, for a street fight. For sure, because that because best case scenario is you just control somebody. Mm-hmm. And you control them standing up, or mm-hmm. you if y'all go to the ground, then you definitely can just control them and contain them until it gets broken up or whatever. You know, or you could just choke them unconscious, and then you're just sitting there waking them up, like, "All right, buddy, yep. you know, get up." And then, you know, worst case scenario, they just refuse to quit, and you just break their arm or something and call it a day. Yeah, but a so broken arm is better than knocking somebody out and killing. You got to be careful with that because I think, if I remember right, if you choke someone unconscious, they call it like an attempted, like it could be classified as attempted murder or something oh, really? like that because you're you're straight you're attending to rob blood from their brain or something like that uh, and the, yeah. I, I can't remember some places got a law I like guess that. you can't argue like no I knew what I was doing yeah, yeah. I guess okay you that makes it better you knew how to, you knew how to kill him okay I, I know the technique I was just putting him to sleep <laughs> they, they, they won't hear that shit. yeah no yeah they look at you like you're a wild animal. Yeah, they're like, okay, well, we need to cage you before you kill somebody then. The best self-defense tool I've ever found in my life is I carry waivers with me. Waivers? It's like a waiver. Like you sign when you go to a gym. Like someone's like, hey, let's go, man. I want to fight. I'm like, okay, here, sign this first. And oh. They- <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh no, I'm good, man. <laughs> that is good. That, it that, works. That definitely shut everything down. Yeah, it works. Damn, that's fucking funny. That's funny shit. Like it, it, it works, man. Because like, because they're like, this guy might be messing with me, but then again, he might not, and that's not going to be good. Yeah, but I think if anybody just has that on them, that's kind of like, oh shit. I mean, yep. Like I don't want to be responsible for what's going to happen to you. They're like, wait, what? Hold exactly. On. So when, you're also a black belt in what? Do they, what do they call it in the military? Uh, McMap Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got. I got that. What is that? What is that basically that they teach? Like so, if you were going to boil it down to like exact disciplines. So it's it's more of an equivalent to I guess Krav Maga. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a it's not a self defense style martial art. It's it's one of the few where you are the aggressor. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of a lot of uh, attacking with rifle, like like actually hitting someone with a rifle. Mm. And uh, a lot of knife fighting, a lot of then when, then when there was also a lot of hand to hand combat as well. You know, just uh, striking and grappling. And they have a whole section called Weapons of Opportunity where you pin where you uh, take someone down and you pretend to pick up a rock and smash their head in with it. You know that kind of stuff. Okay, so definitely just like Marine Corps, like yeah, com- like it, it's built intense for war, like combat you know I mean? situations. And it's it's kind of funny, man, because that talking about that that was. It was really discouraging at first because it takes you from the the absolute bottom up. Like you don't know how to throw a punch, and you know because your first, I think it was it, the belts go tan, gray, green, brown, black. So tan belt, the whole time you're getting tan belt, you're just jab, 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 cross, jab. Like, oh, oh, my I'm like, oh my god! So especially with someone. How long who, does that last? That uh, like that little period where you're doing that because. I wouldn't have patience. We for that. did that in boot camp, so I mean, okay. it, it was like three months. God, that still was tough. Every every class was that, and I was just like, dude, it was rough, man. So, uh, 
Especially eventually someone, you have to be like, I've got it. I, yeah. I got that down. Especially someone who has like a martial arts background. You're like, this it's is almost insulting. so dumb. Yeah. yeah. But some people need it. Some people have never thrown a punch in their life. Yeah. But then gray belt's kind of the same thing. It's like kick, kick, kick. Oh. You know, I'm like, oh my God. But then once you get through green belt, you actually start learning some cool stuff like some sumigashis and hip throws and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, Start learning how to choke people out with the, with your belt and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? what's the uh, what's the knife fighting shit that they like? Do they teach you like, is it like if you have a knife and your opponent has a knife, or uh, is little, it or is it like taking weapons from? It's somebody? a little both. So it's a lot of disarming mm-hmm. and uh, so like one one you probably be able to is when someone kind of raises their hand up in the air to kind of come down and stab you. Like you, this, yeah. I'm not gonna open like, it. Yeah, but... like that you, it's a standing, it's a standing key lock. Okay. Yeah, it's just like it's just stuff like that. A lot of disarming. So but it's just like grabbing the wrist. And... Yeah. Okay. And then there's you know you also do a lot of actual you know technique with knife like you and your opponent both have a knife and you're actually knife fighting. That's... And uh, and it's cool because we'll do uh, grappling matches. That must have been the group message. Yeah, well, it was we both group, got a message chat. Uh, but you'll have grappling matches, right? Just like a, just like a regular, you know, kind of like you're rolling in jujitsu, mm-hmm. but you and this guy are going, and then all of a sudden the instructor will throw a play knife in there. Oh fuck! And then you got to fight over it. You know what I mean? That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fucking. It's fun. cool, man. It's it, it definitely changed your perspective on it. Yeah. There, there's, you can't play guard when a dude's got a knife. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But it, it's, it was cool fun, shit. man. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a cool experience overall. Hmm. So you were in the you were in the Marines? Yeah. That's what, yeah, okay. I was in the Marines. Did five years. Five? Five years. Five years in. Just got released. When did you get out? I got out 2017. Oh, okay. I got out a few years ago, but I'd like to, I like to uh, pretend it's like prison. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how my a buddy of mine that was in, he was just... But he was in... <clears throat> And then he got out, and then he was like, he was so ready to get out, and they got out, and then he was kind of talking about going back in. A lot of guys have I that. I don't know if he, I don't know if maybe he just didn't know what to do with himself. It's Stockholm syndrome. But well, part of it was that he said that, or he didn't say this to me, so I'm just I heard this from somebody else. Apparently, he made the comment to somebody that he wanted to go back out there because he didn't get to do any cool shit, which basically means like see combat as what. And yeah, he, he yeah, wanted yeah. he wanted to do that. That makes sense. Yeah. I could see that. So I mean, it's really rough, especially like you know. There's a lot of guys. I was, I don't know. I guess it's kind of weird to say. I guess I was fortunate mm-hmm. to deploy three times, but uh, so but it's weird because you know if I remember when I first got in, I first got to my unit, and I was just do we were doing training, getting ready, to go, ready, getting ready before we were gonna go to before we actually told we were gonna go to Afghanistan, and uh. We're just kind of just doing busy work, man. It, just, it, just, it leaves you feeling really unfulfilled. I can only imagine doing a whole contract like that. Yeah. Just, like, you just feel like you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You know what I mean? Or what you your intentions were, I guess. Exactly. You you, you take you spend a prop, a, honestly close to a year training before you get to your unit. Mm-hmm. Training on how to fight and how to shoot and uh, things like that. And then you get to your unit and you never get to use it. You know, yeah. you never get to do any anything oh, that yeah. you're trained to do. You know, I guess I never thought about it like that. I guess I, I guess from somebody who wasn't in the military or you know didn't do anything like that, I was just mm-hmm. I look at it like you, you get your job, 
And then whether you see combat or not, you're doing something with that job. Most of the case is yes. Uh, so that is the case most of the time. So in every other branch, that is the case. Mm-hmm. So you go to the army, you do boot camp, you go to be a truck driver, right? Whatever you do, you, na- you like Navy. I saw, you know, you had my boy John on. John went to boot camp, went to ordinance school mm-hmm. in the Navy. So Marine Corps, every Marine is a rifleman. Every Marine has basic combat skills. That's so they can, they can pull you out of whatever job you're in and put you in an infantry unit. Mm-hmm. So you do boot camp and then you go to combat training after that. And then you go to your job school. Mm. So you have boot camp is all combat based. And then you have another few months of combat training afterward. So you have a long period of training for something that you may never do. You know mm. what I mean? So, and it gets I'm, you motivated, man. Cause you're, you're out there crawling under barbed wire fences and shooting guns, shooting machine guns and the throwing grenades and all kind of stuff. It gets you motivated, but I'm sure it gets you kind of almost, well, I'd hate to say it gets you looking forward to it, but I mean, it does. I, I, I'm I would, telling you, it I would does. assume it probably builds you at it least builds your confidence for those yep. situations. It does, like because I remember. I think he was in infantry, but I don't think he ever went and actually saw combat. That's what's crazy to me, man. Is a lot of these infantry guys Let me nowadays. See if he'll mess. I'm gonna message him real yeah. quick and see if he'll uh, hit me back. Yeah, what were you these, saying? A lot of these infantry guys are like that, man. Nowadays, so like I don't know what happened, but uh, so Micah, my brother. He was uh, infantry. Uh, I think Arada was infantry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of infantry guys, and none of them ever deployed. You know, like to to the Middle East. You know, yeah. it's weird. It's really weird. Whereas my main job was I was a parachute rigger, and I went to I went to Africa. I went to Afghanistan and then Africa twice. I was like, what am I doing over there? <laughs> but, so they, so they, so what you were saying earlier about how like since you have basic the basic combat training they can just pull you and put you yeah so basically it's, it's like a base, it's like a base it's really just to cover their ass honestly so they're gonna make you do whatever they whatever they want you to do so like for example I was a parachute rigger and uh in the Marines and when I went to Afghanistan they pulled me out and put me what they called a entry control point mm-hmm. so I was at the front gate you know checking cars and stuff oh, fuck. so that's gonna be like no he's trained he knows what he's doing you know what I mean I really didn't but you know that's that's that, that's that, that's their that's you signing the waiver you know what yeah, I mean yeah yeah it's so weird man cause I just it's weird like to think <clears throat> as far as and maybe that's why I wasn't you know meant for you know meant to be in the military mm-hmm. is cause to me I would think you know, he went out, he joined the military and, you know, did what he, you know, served his country, did what he's supposed to do. And he didn't go out and see combat. I would, to me, I'd be like, well, you know, at least I think I would look at it and be like, well, I didn't get to go out there, but I, you know, I got home, home safe. I served my country like I wanted to, you know, whatever. But I guess it's maybe he, he didn't do what he wanted to. Once I guess. you go to boot camp, they, they, they change your brain, man. They, they change your brain. You, they, they turn you into a, into a killing machine you know yeah. what I mean that's all that like, you want to go to war you don't want to sit here and you know because before I went I was like yeah I would I, I was telling people I'll, I'll be totally fine with going and just staying state, stateside and doing my job and all kind of stuff but as soon as I got out of boot camp and combat training I was like I need to go overseas now hmm. you know what I mean they, they they change your brain oh okay it's it's not you're you're not a normal person anymore you kind of you know, I've heard that 
you kind of uh, a little off. Yeah. Well, when he came back from, I remember when he came back from uh, from boot camp. For one, he was like, he looked like he lost about forty pounds when mm-hmm. he was gone. And then he also like, anyway, I don't know if you know him, but he uh, super goofy guy, like mm-hmm. goofy, just funny dude, great guy to be around. When he came back, he was just like, he just like had nothing left. He was just like, mm. yeah, like it just wasn't himself. Yeah. And then it still it took him once he got out of the military. It took a while, and then he kind of started getting back to yeah. His, he's himself. He's back to himself now, but. Yeah. It's just uh, weird, man. They it's it's weird how they do that, man. It's like brainwashing. You know what I mean? But then you also hear people like, and this is so I'm I'm speaking of course from somebody who wasn't in it, but yeah. like I also so I also hear people like I've heard him say that he wishes he you know I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go see combat, and then you see people who were out there and saw combat, and they're like, I wish I'd have never went and did that shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It, so I guess it's one of those things like. I, I don't know. It's weird, man. Like, because maybe once your brain reverts back to kind of normal, and once you, you know, you still saw whatever you saw, it's kind of hard to get so, that out of your head. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't realize that uh, it's not what you think. Like when you, you know, when you actually get there, it. it, it I guess America's done a really good job of romanticizing. A mm-hmm. war, you know, they make a lot of money off movies about it, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not what they make think. a lot of money off war, period. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm, like, it's really, it's cool. It's cool to go do that. You know, I play Call of Duty all day, every day. This is what I want to go do. I mean, it's, it's not what you think, man. It's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, that, that's why, that's why everyone that goes is like, nah, I'm, 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 that you don't, if you can avoid it, avoid it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's, it's not, it's not for the uh, for the faint of heart, and it's not a, a recreational activity like some people want to make it out to be. Yeah, or they think it's like no big deal, and then like I it's mean, real, man. It's real. People out there getting their heads cut off. Like it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's that's know. like do you, I'm sure you know who Tim Kennedy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when you hear him, and he does a good job about talking about what he's. I guess he, I guess he can handle it well, mm-hmm. and he because he talks about it and he talks about what he's seen and what he's done. And so I guess if you can handle it and talk about it like that, then because he does a great job of like explaining, like, well, you know, I went and I saw these guys throw uh, throw acid on these little girls when mm-hmm. they were trying to walk to school, and he's like, yeah, we he said we hunted them out and we went and killed those motherfuckers, right? And you're like, damn, but then it's like to him, like that stuff that like you can't even like me at least like I mean I can I can imagine what it would look like, but of course. What I'm imagining is probably nothing. What like yeah, what it yeah, would be yeah. like. Yeah, it's 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 weird, man. But just because over here in a, in a, you know in our little safety net of America, like you don't we don't experience stuff like that on a daily basis. Thank God, man. Yeah. So we we're we're like kind of we're very fortunate, we're, man. We have, we're yeah, yeah. Of fortunate. course, we're very fortunate, but we're, it's almost like we're we're dulled down to like what's really going on because oh, we yeah, don't, for sure. we don't see it. Yeah, for sure. We're desensitized so, like, to we a lot of things. We don't, can't even imagine it actually happening. Yeah. So that, that, that's what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, like when I went to Africa, I ne- oh, like for the first time, I never, you know, I thought about, you know, I was going to go to the jungle, man. I thought I was going to hang out, you know, you know, hang out and, you know, do whatever. But, uh, you don't realize that once you get out until you get over there, that at this very moment, there are, 
ter- the, like a groups of people taking all the food for from everybody. And if you want food, if you want to eat, you have to do favors for them. You know, <sighs> people are like, you know, it's it's crazy. Like that, like people are starving to death from because of these people. And uh, so. I think Missile Man. So okay. What is, yeah, what yeah. is, what he's, is that? He, he's a grunt. He's a uh, he was a tow gunner, or a tow yeah, a tow gunner. So uh, it's a uh, it's kind of like a handheld or handheld. I say handheld. It's a shoulder fired uh, or there's different kinds. AT four is like a shoulder fired kind of uh, rocket launcher. Okay. So he was a uh, he did kind of like anti. He was he shot rockets pretty much essentially is what okay. he did. But he yeah he's a grunt. Okay, yeah. So I knew he said something like that. But anyway, yeah, apparently he from, and like I said, he didn't say this to me. I just heard this from somebody else. He said that he didn't get to do what he wanted. Yeah, and so he was thinking man. about going back. And uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's just. I would our, never go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure he, I'm, I'm sure he feels back. that way now. Because yep. sure he, he was ready, from what I understood, he was ready to get out and he was just ready to come back. But then. I don't know. Maybe something just. Maybe it's tough. Or I've I've heard before it's tough coming back and getting back to, you know, normal it, life. It's rough, man. It really is. So, uh, I had a really rough time when I got out, and that that's why I'm so I'm so big on mental health now, man. It's mm. uh, it's so important, so so important. I got you know, you work in the mental hospital. I was on the other side. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I had a pretty dark time, and. uh it was on the it was it's so important to, to manage your mental health man and just you know because you get out of the military and it's uh it's you feel lost because mm-hmm. you're told what to do all day every single day you know the, you have maybe a couple hours a day to do what you want to do and uh most of the time it's just drink while you're in, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, I've heard that a lot. Drink and get tattoos. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you do. And uh, then you get out, and all of a sudden you're free, and you feel really lost, you know, and you feel like you don't have a purpose anymore, and you just feel like, you know, you just, you're especially you're back living with your parents again or, or mm-hmm. your family again once you get out and try to get yourself established. And it feels like you take a huge step backward in your life, mm-hmm. and it's really discouraging. And so you're out trying to find a job. A lot of times the job hunt's super hard. You know, the economy sucks right now, especially, you know, for people right now. But you can't find a job. You're living with your parents and no sense of purpose. You start resorting back to, okay, uh, in my free time when I was in the military, we used to drink and party, you know. But then now all of your time is free time. So now you're drinking all the time. Yeah, because I've heard heard that it's like part part of what's tough is going back to like the – no, now your life is not regimented at all. Exactly. And so then you just, you have nothing yep, to so, do. Yep. So now you're drinking all day, every day, mm. and then you develop a problem and then you, you know, you start dealing with depression because, you know, alcohol is a, uh, is a depressant, you know, mm-hmm. it, it enhances things like that. Like if you have any sort of depression in your brain, it's going to, it's going to amplify, or I guess the amplify would be the word. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna amplify that and it make things it makes things so much worse, man. And it's just you know that's why I believe that there's so many veteran suicides now and uh, so many so how many uh, so many homeless veterans and just it's just we need better better training to 
so they train you how to be in the military, but they don't train you how to get out of it. Yeah, you know that's what I, mean? what I was just about to say. There, I feel like there's, I feel like there could be a, especially with, how, I mean, we know how our government works. Everything is like money driven. They're trying to, you For know, sure. find ways to make money. There's got to be a way to that because if if it costs them money, they're really not interested. Exactly. And so that's I feel like maybe that's why it doesn't exist is because when you're coming out of the like because realistically there should be like at least like a year process like a year like decompression period where they're like working on like okay you know you're out now but you know once you get out we're gonna be you need to be working on this like mm-hmm. some sort of program that they can put you through that and maybe it takes like. Maybe it's like six months to a year or something, and it just gets you like gradually puts you back into your normal life or something that could help you with that. Yeah. But I feel like that's not something that they'd they'd they give, have to be finding a way to make money off of it. They give you a week when you get out. You have a, a class. It's a week long class. They call it uh, well now they call it TRS, is Transition Readiness Seminar, and they teach you how to like write resumes and do job interviews and. Just stuff like that, how like how like how to kind but of. But that's not. But that's. But this that's is, such a small exactly. portion of, of what you're going to be doing. That's what that's what I'm saying. I was like, it doesn't help if he knows how to write a resume if a guy's trying to kill himself because yeah, you know he's lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, they're focusing on the wrong things. Yeah, but there's so many great programs now, like uh, like the We Defy Foundation, especially you know because they. Jiu-Jitsu literally saved my life. Like, that gave me a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it gave me, you know, something to actually focus and put my life into again, you know. So, it saved me from a really dark place. And they, you know, they're really awesome about setting veterans up with uh, gyms to train in. And, you know, they actually also will pay tuition for veterans who can't afford it oh, okay. to, tr- to actually get on the mat and train. And it, they're they're awesome. They're awesome people. So you find so you finding jujitsu is part of like what helps you out. Yeah. The, so, so there is there is a saying: jujitsu saved my life. It literally did save mine. Yeah. One hundred percent. So that I don't know, man. I feel like it's such a simple issue. To now, granted, it, there will always be veteran suicide. There will always be mental health issues coming from serving in the military. Mm-hmm. There will always be that. But making something for people because there's a lot of people who pro- kill themselves that probably could have been saved Absolutely. if they just had something. Absolutely. And so to me, I look at it like it's such a simple issue. Why is it now? Like I said, it's it'll always be there. So me, I feel bad saying it's a simple issue, but I feel like it's something that can easily be like put into play. Like okay, well, because there's so many veterans out there that can say mm-hmm. this worked for me I need that okay well why aren't all those veterans getting together and being like okay this is what worked for me or somebody taking that initiative to be like okay let me talk to veterans see what worked for them or see what the ones who are still struggling see what they struggled with or are struggling with and how do we combat that how do we fix that right and there, there's there's like I said there's a couple of groups trying to do that but I think there's a big mentality of uh, there's a big mentality of it's all for one or not like not not an all for one off you know mentality and it's more of an every man for himself kind of thing when you get out because you're like oh i had to suffer through this so so in the military there's a big there's a big culture of suffering right mm-hmm. so when you get pro- when like for example when you get promoted to a corporal you get a uh no, you're a non-commissioned officer you get a uh, a red stripe down the side of your pants the like blue pants right mm-hmm. so oh they, yeah yeah 
when you get promoted to corporal, they do stuff. They give you something called your. They give you. They call. They give you your blood stripe. You have to walk down the aisle, and there are people on both sides, and they dead leg you. Everybody dead legs you on both sides. Like it was so bad that I couldn't walk up my stairs when I got home. Jesus. Like I had to crawl up my stairs to go to bed. And uh, so there's a culture of suffering. It's I suffered and I made it, so you should suffer so you can make it. Mm. So it, it's not, but they don't know how to differentiate between when someone is just when someone's just going through a little something or when someone actually needs help. So right. they're like, "No, I did it. You can do it." You know. So, but yeah. we're not we're not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's, it's just it's, tough. It's really I feel rough. like that, especially because you know somebody like me, like I have so much respect for people in the military that <clears throat> it's kind of a bummer because I feel like it's something that could easily be, and I'm sure a lot of it too is. Like you said, just like their mentality. I'm sure like a lot of people who are suffering don't know when to even ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's that too. Right. And then, I mean, especially, you know, in the Marine Corps, you're supposed to, you're, they, they tell you, they shove down your throat that you are the best of the best 24 7, you know, 365. You're the best of the best. You're the toughest. You're the strongest. You're the, you know, all, all that stuff. And when it comes to, oh my God, I actually do need help, the pride is there. Yeah. And that, 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 Pride has killed a lot of people, I believe. I would, yeah, I would assume so. I could see it happening. No, but th- I wanted to pull this up because this is something, like like you said, like you you were on the other side of that. I work with mental health. And so this thing, and this is from Johns Hopkins. Is that what this is? Yeah, Johns Hopkins. So an estimated 26% of Americans ages 18 and older, so about one in four adults, suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder. I believe okay. that. So already, twenty six percent doesn't look like a big number, but when you put it into terms of one in four adults, right? But then you got to look at it, it's saying from a diagnosable mental disorder, right? Okay, the number of people who suffer from a mental, some sort of mental disorder, period, maybe not like you know diagnosable or whatever, but have some sort of like mental trauma from something is way higher than twenty six percent. Absolutely, absolutely. But like, like so, one in four. One in four is insane, mm-hmm. especially if like you go, go some, just go to go to Walmart, just go to Walmart. There's hundreds of people in there. Mm-hmm. So say there's four hundred people in Walmart, then that means there's a hundred people around you who are possibly suffering from depression or bipolar disorder right. or something. But like I feel like I feel like everybody's got some sort of mental. Everybody. That's why I don't understand. Man. That's why I understand why everybody's got something. Mental like working with mental health is so, like. It's such a neglect. It's. I feel like it's really ne- people's mental health is really neglected. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's not looked at as the same way as a broken leg. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It, it's not. You know, it's you know, it's kind of just like a hey, get over it. Yeah. Kind of thing for the most part, especially like an older generation. They didn't grow up with things like that. Like my grandpa always told me that uh, he's super dyslexic, and he always told him that he that you know they didn't know what that was. They just thought they were stupid. You know, yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh it's it's you know, just older generations are don't know how to don't, are not equipped to deal with this kind of stuff. And now fortunately we're we're at us as a society are starting to get a little bit better at diagnosing these things because but I think that if you don't have some type of mental trauma or disorder that that your life hasn't been hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like people but, get but PTSD anything, from car wrecks. Yeah, and, you know anything can trigger it, and especially because like your brain isn't fully developed. So I think you're 25, mm-hmm. maybe. So shit, mine just now finished probably. Right. And it's like 
there's so much that could happen to, and it can be triggered from, because, you know, I've learned, I've learned quite a bit about mental health in the six years I've been working with it. And like, it could be something as, as simple as when you were in school, you had your finals coming up. Mm -hmm. And so you're stressed about finals. Your parents are at home, uh, you know, fighting with each other. There's your parents are splitting up at the same time you have finals. It could be like, it could be something like that is pretty normal to life. Finals, a parent, you know, a divorce in the family, a boyfriend breaks, girlfriend breaks up with you, whatever. It's just all those things all when they hit you at once, that could change your life for the rest of your life. Exactly. That could change everything to where now you have terrible anxiety because of all the amount of stress that you couldn't cope with at the time. Now you have anxiety mm-hmm. all the time exactly. and you don't know where it comes from. And uh, because, I, I went but, to therapy for a while and uh, the way she explained it to me is your brain develops pathways. Mm hmm. And so you when you develop these pathways, the uh, the it's it's basically your brain trying to mainline or mainstream what it needs to do the best way possible. So if you're dealing with all this trauma all the time, your brain starts adjusting the hormones it releases, you know, mm-hmm. trying to deal with that and make you basically line you out. But if you do that for a long time, it it creates that as your baseline, and that's where you get the the uh, the loss of the serotonin and the dopamine and where you do get the, you know, things like the things of that nature. And, uh, so, and, and I really think that PTS, uh, PTS now, but PTSD is really, it's really, uh, it's, it's a misconception. There's a lot of misconception around it and they think it's, you know, do you think of PTSD, you think of someone who got blown up in Iraq or mm-hmm. someone, you know, who, you know, something like that, but it's not really the case. You know, the, the, mo- the majority of the people who have PTSD are from car wrecks. Yeah. And if you were a kid and you put your hand on the stove and you burnt yourself yeah, and you, now you'll never do that again. That is your body's response to s- stress. You know, that's your reaction, your post-traumatic, your reaction to that trauma. Yeah. That is post-traumatic stress. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I mean, it's, it can be anything. So I don't, a lot of people who are out there dealing with some problems, I don't want them to think that it's, you know, oh, that can't be it. I didn't go through anything that bad. You did. It's, but you, but that's what I'm saying is like, you don't, people, sometimes people don't know, don't know why they feel this way or why they react like that. But it's like, you probably went through something that you, you might not realize. Like I was explaining to, so like my sister has, uh, my sister was not, not Matt's mother's mm-hmm. sister. She was, um, she was depressed for a while and I think she thinks she was probably I think she was having suicidal thoughts at a time mm-hmm. or wanting to cut herself or something like that but anyway whatever the case may be and I was my mom was talking to me about it a lot because I work with it mm-hmm. and I was telling her I was like well from what I've learned a lot of it a lot of people's like depression and stuff comes from like some form of loss I was like so I said so this could be from a boyfriend her and a boyfriend breaking up I said it could be um, like because some people get depression from, you know, they lose a family member, a dog, any, like just like a, like a sudden loss or something right. could cause it. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was like, well, it actually happened whenever it actually started coming up not long after uh, her, my mom and her, her dad got divorced. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, sure. well, it could, that could have been yeah. a trigger right there. It's just Absolutely. people are fragile, man. And it's like, you don't, you don't realize no. what what is going on and that's what that's what's so stressful about being a parent is because yes, you don't know i can imagine you don't know what especially like me be, you know working with it so much i'm 
tried so hard not to I'm, traumatize your kids, man. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I try not to like even argue. Like which me and Vanessa don't really argue, but even yeah. whenever we we do, it's like I just try to like just talk about it because I'm like I don't want to yell because you know, like it's he it's, it does all kinds of stuff to kids. Right, and, he, and he that's panic every time I raise my voice. That's something I like to bring up too. Is that you know you everyone always makes fun of these. The people like the you know the you know the type like the real rich kids that mm-hmm. grew up with like well like wear Gucci everything yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like uh, their parents like a, a hedge fund manager or mm-hmm. something like that and so they got all this money and someone brings them the cold water and not the room temperature so they throw a fit you know that kind of stuff like that but everyone likes to make fun of that but that might be the worst thing that's ever happened to her in her yeah. life you know or him whoever it may be but you never know that like it's it's all it's all subjective mm-hmm. the worst thing that has ever happened to me might be completely different from the worst thing that's ever happened to you it could be you know you could you know if it's yeah when you can when you, you know, try to compare when you try to compare them it's they, the, they might have affected us the same but when you look at them just for face value they're not one's definitely worse than the other exactly you know what i mean exactly but yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened to you is still the worst thing that's ever happened to you right you know what i mean no matter how small it may look to someone else so it's it's really important that to and that's that's the, really my message that I want to get across. It's really important to no matter how big or small you think your issue may be, get the help if you think you need it. Yeah, that's really my my big thing for sure. It's one thing I will say that well, I'm there's nothing there's but this so I'll preface this by saying medication like if you have mental health issues, medica- medication one hundred percent works for a lot of people mm-hmm. and. For a lot of people, they can get on medication and then, you know, whether they have to stay on it forever or they can eventually wean themselves off of it, lower the dosage gradually, and eventually they don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. That happens too. So what I'm about to say is not for everybody. It's just something that I've seen that is a negative side of it that it just scares me, especially because it could, you know, it could be happen to somebody I care about. Mm-hmm. And it's what that is, is I've seen a lot of people, a lot of patients come through my work that... You know, they come through and they're re- they're repeats, right? You see them, you know, you might not, I might not see somebody for two years, but then I see them again and they're worse than they were before. And the reason that happens sometimes is because when you take, when you're on some of these, you know, psych meds, that's just how we refer, you know, psych med, yeah. these psych meds, they, um, they're replacing whatever you have a lack of, right? Right. They're, they're, they're supplementing something. Right. So like if you... If you or if your body is lacking serotonin, it's making up that gap to get you back to where you need to be. Well, then eventually over time, and I'm sure a lot of people who take medication can speak to this and say, yes, I've had my meds adjusted. Mm-hmm. Over time, you have to have them adjusted. Oh, yeah. And it's because your body naturally doesn't produce however much. And then once it's getting it, it go it reverts back to, okay, now I need to produce less. It goes back to your baseline. So it goes back yep. to the baseline. And then, so you need your med, your meds adjusted to catch back up again. Mm-hmm. And so then you go from taking, and I'm just throwing out numbers, but say you, uh, originally you're on 50 milligrams or whatever, and then next, you know, it starts not working, so you're up to 100. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, four years down, five years down the road, you're now taking 200 milligrams of something, and then you, for whatever reason, you have a few good months, and you feel like, oh, I don't need my medication anymore. And when you stop taking it, now your body's at a huge deficit. Oh yeah, and so you're way you're you're way worse than you were before. Absolutely, and that's a lot of times whenever you see people actually end up killing themselves because mm-hmm. they weren't because now instead of their body being 
needing just 50 milligrams. They're now at the point where their body needs 200 just to be normal. Right. And then it's they when they cut it off, it's man, it's it's just scary. Medication's very dangerous, man. It's yeah, very it's a dangerous. dangerous thing to get into, but it's but like I said, that it's not for it is it works 100% for some people. Absolutely. So it's just it's just trial and error. It's just one of those things that's so scary to I just think to that see. I think that we shouldn't be so quick to prescribe medication. A hundred. I think that should agree. be the last resort. Yeah, you know, I agree. Try going to like go to therapy. Try to make it ch- make changes in your life. Honestly, a lot of people will be amazed what changing your diet and your routine will do mm-hmm. for your mental health. It's insane. Like all you have to do is just hey, every morning before, like for example, I'm working nights right now. Every morning, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna go sit outside and read for a little bit. And that, that'll change that that can change so much because it's just getting you out of that routine and being being miserable all the time. Yeah. And I said I'm sure I've been on I think I think uh the end of last year I was on seven different medications every day. Damn. Like a lot yeah. from the VA and because but the VA is really quick to diagnose people and uh really quick to prescribe medication. Mhm. And uh, that was one of the biggest complaints. A doctor that <clears throat> used to work with me, that was one of the biggest complaints about him is how fast he was to do that. Yeah, like it's it's immediate. Like, oh, you're depressed. Here's some SSRIs. You know, it's yeah. like it's immediate. And uh, I was walking around like a zombie for a long time, man. Like a so, long cause some time. Because some people, it doesn't make you normal. It makes you emotionless. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it was. Like, I didn't feel like my, like, uh, I think when I, when I, the last time I got my meds adjusted, I got them adjusted and... It was probably a couple months later. My my grandmother passed away. Mm. I felt nothing at all. Yeah, did not bother me one bit. It was like a regular day, and I was like, "That's when I realized, like, oh, this is a problem." Like, because I went to her funeral, walked up to her casket, looked at her, and was like, "Eh," and turned around and walked off. And I was like, "This yeah. is a problem." Yeah, like this is not right. Yeah, that's not normal. So, and that was a rough time too when I started getting off all that medication, man, and uh. Because all that grief and all of the emotions that I that I started thinking about everything that had happened, it all hit me at one time, and it was rough. Mm. But started going uh, to get some counseling and uh, you know doing some different things, trying to change my change my diet up, change my routine up, do some things that I actually enjoy doing, and it really uh, that re- it really did a lot of wonders for me. I think I'm in a pretty good place right now. That's good. That's good to hear, man. I think, uh, like I said, it's just scary, man. Because everything, I feel like, because uh, like that thing said, you know, 26% of people, you know, one in four, but I think it's. It's way higher. But it's, it's no way. maybe, maybe it's just because it's talk, that was just talking about diagnosable, but yeah. everybody's going through something. Like me, like I, I don't know if, if I went and talked to like a psychiatrist or something, I don't know if they would actually diagnose me with anything, but I know for me, like, Jiu-jitsu's helped me a ton, especially with, uh, like, and I'm not an angry person, mm-hmm. but I do have a switch that'll flip, yeah, and it'll flip quick for, like, certain things. Like, bad driving is one. Mm-hmm. People who just, like, oh, when they're, like, just gradually sliding yep. over into your lane. This happened last night is why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. When somebody's just gradually getting over in your lane. I'm just, like, because to me, like, in my brain, it goes. What are you doing? It goes like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. That's how can you not just stay in the lane?" And also, you're putting me and every, me, my son, my girlfriend. You're putting all of us at risk. Yeah, like you could kill us because you're acting stupid. Yep. And like immediately, I'm just like, I'm ready to just like kill him. Yep. And not actually kill him, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'm just pissed. I know what you mean. Immediately pissed. 
And so, like, that might be a mental health issue. It, well, it just, could be. It could be. You know, it may be. Some way, somewhere, some way, your brain has developed that pathway to to that reaction. Yes. You know, it's just something, you know, this, yeah. it's post-traumatic stress. You had some type of trauma in your life that made you develop that pathway. Yeah, exactly. You know, something happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and, and you know. It, but I feel like everybody's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like right. it's crazy how mental health is so, like, that like people working on their mental health is so neglected because most likely everybody suffers from some something whether yep. it's anxiety i get anxiety whenever i'm meet, talking to somebody new or whatever okay well that's that's not that's not normal yeah to just meet somebody new and you're like you're nervous about it that is you know that's not normal to some like me that wouldn't be normal right i don't get nervous exactly. meeting new people yeah yeah and and it basically it's okay until it becomes a problem that's how it is with everything, like mm-hmm. for, like post traumatic stress. You know, it's hey, I touched a, uh, I put my I put my hand in the fire when I was a kid, and now I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that does not happen again. Yeah, that's post traumatic stress. You, you get stressed out about making sure your hand does not go in this fire. Yeah, but you know, it's just like OCD. OCD. Oh, I have that. 100%. OCD is not a problem. If you have, like, you have to make sure your whole house is super clean, organized, everything is in its place, that's not a problem until you haven't showered in three days because the DVD cases won't line up. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? <laughs> then it's an issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, you can't leave the bath, or, like, you're stressed out in a public restroom because all the sinks are taken and you have to wash your hands four times. Right. Before you get out. Exactly. That's whenever it's, it starts being a problem. I think a little bit of, I think a little bit, like, a trauma is a, a I guess it's a, a, a Trauma is a really bad word to use, I guess, but it's it's a good thing in in when it's not in excess. You know, yeah. what I mean, it's not something excessively traumatic. Yeah, because it helps you develop. You helps your brain. You know, helps your brain develop and helps you become a stronger person. But it's just like when you're bending metal. If you bend metal real slow, it'll bend for a long way. But if you snap it real fast, if you snap it down real fast, it'll break. Right. No, that's what it's kind of the same thing with you know life life experiences. Yeah. It's if, but it's important to. I'm not gonna. Bring, I'm I'm really trying not to bring this up again because I've brought it up in every episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but like for me, like the stuff that I let that I've noticed has affected me now makes me super to where I'm very much on time. Yeah. I'm, you know, I keep a very good schedule and I'm reliable. I'm super reliable now. And mm-hmm. I, and I can say that because I know I am right. I know I'm very reliable, you know, and that's, I'm very much of time and that's just stuff because of what I've, you know, went through before. So like you said, it's not always bad what you're going through, but just being able to know why you're like that. I feel like people don't do that and people don't try to figure it out enough. Exactly. It's, there's a lot, there's a, a lot more focus on the symptoms and the cause. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like everyone loves that the TV works, mm-hmm. but no one cares why it works. You know what I mean? No one really cares. You know, but this is, you know, it's not important. This, the symptoms are going to keep happening if you don't isolate and isolate and diagnose the cause of the symptoms. Yeah. It's going to keep happening over and over. And unless you want to just deal with this forever for the rest of your life, you have to do something different. And that's got to be a, I feel like that's a big part of, helping you get over not necessarily get over something because once that pathway is created you're kind of always going to deal with something from it but at least you understand why you're feeling that way exactly and you know and that's why jujitsu was such a big lifesaver for me is because i would just i would get off of work and i would you know i would start drinking and you know 
whatever, and I would just think about how awful tomorrow is going to be. You know mm. what I mean? And I would just immediately, as soon as I would get free time, I would automatically think about how awful the next day is going to be. And I started going to jujitsu and I'm like, I would get out of class and it would just be like, well, tomorrow can't be as hard as that. I just had some guy choking me almost to death. You know yeah. what I mean? It, the, there's no way anything they can do to me at work is going to be that hard. Yeah. The hardest thing in my day, the hardest part of my day is over, mm-hmm. you know? I, so. But for me, and I said this the first time, uh, the first time I ever left from jujitsu, and this is part of what got me hooked, is because it's like basically the the best way to describe it for me is what jujitsu does for me is like I said, I have that switch that'll flip like, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't, I won't flip over like common things like you know, Bentley knocks a plate off the table yeah. or something. I don't really care about that. I just be like, hey man, you got to pay attention, whatever. But uh, but like I would have that trigger for thing. It's for it, mainly it's for people like random people. Like I said, people driving bad or somebody cut me off or somebody just I'll be trying to go down an aisle in the middle of Walmart and somebody's just standing in the middle to where oh, you can't I hate go. That. that shit will <laughs> s- sit there and it'll be burning me up and it's so hard to be nice to that person. Like, oh hey, excuse me. I just like my mind just goes to would you get the fuck out of the way? Like, exactly. Would you just pay attention? Yep. So. Like, basically, what jiu-jitsu did for me the first time I went to a class and did, like, a full one was, it basically, if you want to talk about that switch, we'll get out of here in just a second. Okay. But if you, want, if, if you want to talk about, like, that being a switch, like a light switch almost, it basically just, I did jiu-jitsu, and it put the switch where I couldn't find it. Yeah, it turned so like the breaker I, off. It turned the breaker off to that switch, like, to where I got any sort of, like, aggression or anything that I had, like, da- deep down within me, I got it out during class, and when I left there... Nothing could have upset me. Exactly. Nothing could have upset me. It That's just it made me more like empathetic to people. Like if somebody cuts me cut me off, where I was like, oh, they're probably in a hurry, man. They they right. got something going on at home. Well, like, I, it just muted all of it. There is nothing anyone can do to you that is more disrespectful than choking you to death. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> or like trying to bend your arm behind your exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah. So the hardest part of your day is over. You can just you know enjoy the rest of it. You know it's not going to be that bad. No one's going to try to murder you. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully not. If not, if not, you're, you're ready you, for, you're you're for that for situation. It. Yeah, you're ready for it. Oh, yeah. man. That's great. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get out of here. I know Thanks. you got work and everything. Yeah, man. Thanks for hitting me up, man. It's fun. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. You'll be back on again, man. I'm sure we've got so much we didn't get into. The whole so lot. We got a lot. But you'll get back on, man. Uh, go ahead and let people know where they can follow you and stuff. They want to check out what you do. All right. So uh, Instagram is Space Ghost BJJ. It's a, uh, I don't know how I got that nickname. It just kind of, someone called me that one day and it just kind of popped up. So uh, Space Ghost or sorry, space underscore ghost BJJ. And uh, also you can follow all the stuff we're doing at uh, at the gym on uh, Wolfden MMA and uh, WolfdenMMAacademy.com. Yep. And then if y'all want to keep up with uh, the podcast more, keep, uh, Instagram is Fuller's House Podcast. My personal Instagram is Kate Fuller underscore. And then also have the podcast on Facebook. It's just Fuller's House Podcast. Um, I'm working on this new giveaway that I think is really cool. Uh, it should I should be posting about it here within the next week or so. Um, so y'all keep a lookout for that. I think it's going to be a really good one. Um, Who doesn't but, like free shit? 
Yeah, people love free shit. And this is it's it, this giveaway is actually very specific to a very specific group of people. Uh, I don't want to reveal too much because I want to get uh, I want to make sure I have everybody on board first. But uh, this is to a very specific group of people that I feel like need a uh, you know need need a handout every now and then need some help. So uh, y'all keep an eye out for that. But anyway, hey, thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Bye, y'all. Oh, I should let it go.